If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be rivetingly paced, and here's why. In this episode, we're finding answers to how can we keep players on target and give them direction? And how can we keep the story from meandering? And can intense pacing be added to any story or adventure hook? Welcome to the Hook and Chads podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. You ever feel like the clock is ticking? (laughs) Every day of my life. It's what makes us do things in our lives, right? Have you ever seen one of those, it's like an infographic and it shows every single day of your life represented visually of like an 80 year life and the crushing terror that ensues after viewing such a diagram? That's the only response you can have to that is fear and terror of the finality (laughs) of life. Hope that's what you came here for. Well, you might as well turn off the podcast. <laughs> it's We're off to a bummer of a start. But no, I do feel like the clock is ticking way too fast, and that certainly motivates me. Yeah, hopefully. Either, either that or the other thing. Well, it's why we get up so early on a weekend to try to get as much as we possibly can done and work on the podcast and and do this, that, and the other thing to try and stay ahead of this crushing terror. Start drinking early to make sure that we get it in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to live life to the fullest. (laughs) That's why I have three beers to start the day. Oh, God, we got to work on that. (laughs) This episode's an intervention for Travis. (laughs) Oh, it's not as bad as it sounds. Anyways, we keep kind of skirting around this idea that timing and the lack of time is a pretty solid motivator. We've mentioned a couple times that inserting a ticking clock into your games is a great way to motivate the party. And we had talked about how to strategically make every game feel like it's about to pop off with ticking clocks before and what it really can do for your game. We haven't given it the due and the respect that it deserves. We haven't soaked in it. (laughs) Soaked in that ticking (laughs) clock. It really does help your games with travel and pacing and wandering attention of players and side hustles and downtime and tavern things that they do and encounter planning and all of those things can be affected by adding ticking clocks to games. And it can influence the overarching campaign goals. I mean... The only time I really find myself getting into a frustrated mindset as a player is when I'm just thinking to myself, what are we doing? (laughs) I really don't know like what we need to go do next and when we need to do it. So I guess. Yeah, no real clear direction or vision or drive. You just kind of, again, meandering. Yeah. I think from a DM's perspective, where I get frustrated is when I'm trying to get my players to the next piece and all they want to do are these weird side things. And I've put all of my prep time. I've put four 
of the five hours of prep time that I've worked to get prepared for a game, and I'm very happy that I don't do this much prep anymore, but back when I used to, you know, you put you put a solid evening of prep into your game, and the players just will not get out of the fucking tavern. Can you guys move on? I have such a cool thing planned. I can't really talk about it. I don't want to spoil it, but... Jesus, the, the the bard is dragging this party behind. He just cannot stop flirting in the tavern. We need to move on. And it's only when you've dropped that first hint of like, something's happening out there in the world. You should go <laughs> check it out. And then they do all that. And it's because they don't feel the pressure yet. Yeah. As a player, when I know what the goal is, but there's no pressure on me to get there, I'm much more likely to start creating my own... <laughs> like I'm gonna ask you like what's around the corner what's down the storm drain what's <laughs> what's on the roof I'm glad you never have literally done that <laughs> from the opposite side of the table though I as a DM have also felt those frustrations and you don't deserve to feel frustrated as a DM when you put all of this time and energy into building a really cool story and the players don't seem like they really want to get there because they have all the time in the world to go and explore your rich and diverse world. Except maybe you didn't actually spend the 800 hours to create a rich and diverse world yet. So you're going to be freewheeling, <laughs> improving the entire game, even though you had an adventure planned because yeah. they will not get there. In the past, when I've tried to honor that concept of like, let the party do what they want. I never finish that adventure or campaign. There's never <laughs> even an end on it because I can't figure out how to get people there without feeling like I'm railroading. Oh, and the worst outcome for this, if this is left unchecked, is that you hit campaign fade because the players kind of get well, I don't know. It never really seems like we're there doing stuff. We're having to like show up and make up our own adventures. And where does the DM really want us to go? We don't know. Uh, I've got something better to do next Thursday. And meanwhile, as a DM, you're thinking, I gave you the plot hook in session two. The plot hook was clear. Go and rescue <laughs> X. But we never found our way there. And then the campaign collapsed. And ah! yeah, I'm going to start writing your next one. So how do we fix this well uh, you've probably already pieced this together we fix it with ticking clocks so let's get into the strategy stateroom where we can dive into this more this is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most So with any strategy stateroom, we like to be very clear about steps that you can take to actually put our thoughts into your games in a way that's helpful to you, because otherwise we're two just blabbering mouths. <laughs> so the steps for this strategy stateroom. Number one, you add the ticking clock to your party's goals. Number two, you create a backup plan. And number three, you deliver the message of the ticking clock. And it's not just as simple as adding a deadline to your particular story that you're trying to tell. So in order to kind of flesh facilitate out this, yeah, like make it make sense, 
we're going to build upon a very simple premise. People have been kidnapped from a town by goblins. They are being held in goblin caves. Very simple plot or adventure hook that you can run with. The goblins are led by Chuck, the old <laughs> town butcher. Why? Because Chuck just feels more at home amongst the goblins than the people. <laughs> okay, so did Chuck orchestrate this kidnapping? With the help of his right-hand goblin. Okay, this is getting convoluted. Let's, <laughs> Sorry, let's, let's back keep it, off. it simple. <laughs> okay, there's goblins, Chuck, townspeople. Got it. We got it. Okay, so step one is we need to add a ticking clock to our party's goals. So the party, being very clear about what the goal is, get people from Chuck and the goblins. Yeah. <laughs> rescue them. Bring them back to their homes He's that are to... sitting empty currently. <laughs> Fill the homes? Fill the homes with the villagers. From Nasty Chuck, as he's known. <laughs> I think it's helpful to ask questions as you go. And the next question we want to ask is, so what's the ticking clock that we could use for this goal? Well, I mean, goblins are kind of feral little beastial little creatures. Beast people. Sure. Okay. So beast people sometimes eat other people. Oh, they sure do. They sh <laughs> Those darn beast people <laughs> and their penchant for eating people. So what I'm thinking is we know that every full moon, the goblins have a bit of a festival. Sure. And on that festival, they tend to try to, you know, just beforehand, they try to kidnap people from around the area because, hey, you need something to roast. Mm -hmm. And this one is a particularly big one, which is why they kidnapped most people from the town. And they were like, well, this this one's going to be big. We're going balls to the wall <laughs> with this event. This is going to be the best goblin people-eating event that you've ever seen. Because Chuck came in, he was into the idea, and he wanted to make it bigger. <laughs> he went weird with it. So he's actually putting on a show <laughs> with Chuck and the pals, his goblin band. So now the party knows, uh-oh, the folks are going to be consumed with garnish. On this time, this is they always have the festival at sundown on the full moon. So we know it's three days away. So that's our ticking clock. Now, we can kind of assess as a DM, hey, do I want this adventure to take a little bit longer? Do I want it to be a bit more of a grandiose thing? Or is this kind of like a single session get there, rescue, get out kind of thing. Is this a side quest to some bigger thing we got going on? Exactly. So if it's small, we stick with the one ticking clock. Maybe it's bigger. Maybe I throw in a few more steps. Like first, how are you going to transport all of those people when you get out of there? And how do we find out where the cave is? It's a hidden location. So first you have to go and get transport. Next, you have to go get a map. So really you're saying... The more goals you have between you and your ticking clock, the more ticking clocks you can include. Well, if you want to keep the party headed towards the direction that you want them to go, all you have to do is add that ticking clock. Hey, the guy that owns the wagon in town that is actually big enough to transport all of those people? Well, he's taking it off on a trading run. Tomorrow, you better get there and grab it. And then the person that knows the map is set to go and visit their cousin in the big city. 
So now you've got a couple of ticking clocks and the party knows uh, there's no time to go dick around in the tavern <laughs> for a couple of hours. We have to move. And that's just inherent. You don't even really have to enforce it, which is the part that I love, is that with a simple deadline, the party just kind of inherently knows. If we want this leg up on the adventure, we better go do it now. It just depends on how quickly and how briskly you want to move through this adventure. Now, I've made this mistake in the past of saying, well, I'm going to throw a ticking clock in there. How about two weeks? Two weeks on a D&D scale is not soon enough to seriously motivate people. Right. That's a timeline that I feel like is going to be a whole campaign's worth of stuff between me and that ticking clock as a player. So I'm in no rush to get there. Six months in D&D time is a lifetime. Yeah. Two weeks is a long time. One day is a pretty good amount of time. And a couple of <laughs> hours is, okay, we'll actually skip the tavern this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, We're going to go <laughs> fine. We do not have time. So another way of adding player focus to these timelines and to these ticking clocks is actually tracking the ticking clock. You can say, this happens in three hours. This happens in two weeks. And those can kind of sit vaguely on the side, on the periphery of the player's attention. And that's fine. But if we really want to add more focus to this, then we can simply state and show or demonstrate somehow to the players that we are, in fact, tracking that time. As soon as you mark a single line on a page and say, that's one day down. Uh-oh, we're actually being tracked. It's not some weird looming time. We are actively running out of it. And so simply using some kind of time tracking system, that usual advice that people give DMs of like, hey, if you bring a stopwatch or an egg timer or something to your combats, people will pick up the pace if they're being timed on their turns. Well, it's a similar kind of concept. If you have a visual representation of the time that is passing, now all of a sudden there's a little bit more pressure to achieve those. Because in part, that's the first way that you're saying to the party, there will be consequences. Otherwise, I wouldn't be bothering to track this. Something <laughs> is going to happen if you don't get there in time. Yeah. A great example of this is The Witcher 3. It's one of our favorite games that exists in the world, but the main story has a powerful ticking clock written into it. Yeah. When that game kind of kicks off and it's like, yep, you got to get Siri because there are demon people in terrifying armor named the Wild Hunt that are going to catch her and do something unholy. Like, we're certain that something bad is going to happen. So you're just like, ah, shit. But the game doesn't actually hold you to that. But first, let's clean up every single side quest in this area. It doesn't track any kind of progress. And it just feels weird when you know that there is no mechanism in that game that's ever going to hold you accountable. So I'm going to go get a haircut and see what this dude's up to. And I'm going to talk to literally everyone in this small town. I'm going to play 16 hours of Gwent <laughs> before I save this person that I care about so much. And this is really like exactly what happens in D&D stories is that the players don't get the sense. They know, oh, you know, bad guy's going to win if we don't stop him. But then... There's nothing that really says that this has to be done in any particular time. So we can absolutely do some downtime and we can do this and we can do that. 
And we don't really have to keep pushing ourselves further and harder and faster, even though you know we have the long rest and the short rest mechanism built in there. It's just, let's power through, because holy moly, this time is creeping ever closer. And if we don't get there on time, then bad things happen. And that approach of not holding the players accountable can work really well for a game that has a thousand well-developed side quests, but unless you're planning to improv your way through the entire game you're playing, Mm. you don't have, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably don't have a thousand side quests ready (laughs) for them to explore before they get to the main quest that you planned. I mean, if we're being honest, I have half a one. (laughs) Exactly. So it really doesn't matter what kind of units you want to use. You could use some kind of pie graph and cross out one. I mean, you can show the party the mechanical aspect of it if you want to lighten your load, fill in that pie graph in front of the players, or you can use that behind the screen and use it to inform your descriptions of how things are moving closer to the result. So taking this back to our example, if we know that in a day... Oh man, we're on the cusp of the full moon. You have eight hours to put this together. The players then know that, oh, well, it takes two hours to get to the cave. You know, we don't have that much time to get provisions. We're going to have to maybe wing this one. And when we get outside the cave, we're not going to have a 45-minute discussion on how to go in and go about this because we're running (laughs) out of time. And if the players start to have that 45-minute discussion, then a goblin comes up and hands them a flyer invite (laughs) to the cook-off. Barbecue tonight. Yeah, just to (laughs) cut in and remind them with an in-world effect that this is still happening. (laughs) You're messing around, but it's still going to happen. That's truly cruel. So you can use those two pieces in conjunction. You can use one, you can use the other, or you can use them both if you want laser focus. So you can use a vague timeline, you can use a tracking system, and then if you really want players to beeline it towards whatever their goal is, apply both, and you will see some serious focus from that game. So you're saying give them an hour and track every 20 minutes? Yeah. So what kind of ticking clocks now? I feel like there's a little bit more that we can explore. Well, there's a lot of different types of ticking clocks out there that work for different types of, you know, storytelling. Like movies are going to have ticking clocks that don't really work that well for D&D and tabletop role-playing. But here's a few that do work well that are always easy to pull an idea from. First, you got the mystery clock. That's when you've got some unknown approaching deadline. It's not so great for short time crunches, however. You know, like it's a vague deadline. Who knows when the ritual is, but it's coming soon. So in our goblin case, they have a feast plan, but nobody really understands when or why. But it's going to happen and people are going to get eaten. Careful with this one, though, because it can be too vague if that story hook doesn't grab the characters and motivate them. You've got event clocks, which is when you're literally counting down to some big event that's going to happen. This is the full moon feast example. They're going to eat everyone on the full moon, and the full moon is tomorrow. Uh Uh-oh. Don't leave it too far out because that will make the players relax too much. (laughs) When the full moon is coming six months from now, 
<laughs> Wait, that's not how moons work. Well, it's a fantasy world. <laughs> sure. Why not? All right. Thanks for backing me up on that one. <laughs> You've got the competition clock is where you are neck and neck with some form of opposition. See, I like this one. This adds a lot of variation and change to our premise here. So instead of the ticking clock being the goblins are going to do something, in this case, the town has a contingency fund for when bad things happen. There's 500 gold in it, but it's been promised to the party as well as a competing adventuring party and whoever can rescue the villagers first. Now they get the gold. So whew, that lit a fire under everyone's ass. And of course, whatever motivates your party. If they like just the adulation of the crowd, <laughs> the affections of the people. Sure, maybe it's a favor that the town now owes them. Yeah, or just some boots. <laughs> and you've got the pursuit clock, which is where they got to stay ahead of an impending or overwhelming force or some huge creature that they're unable to conquer is after them. Like, this is when they got to take the magical Fabergé egg and try and stay ahead of the Tarrasque that wants to eat it, or, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Take it back, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this isn't perfect for our example, but if you wanted to try and use it, you could say that the amount of goblins in the cave is like a quarter of what it normally is, and the massive goblin force is going to return on this date, so... It's like a clock that's going to expire before the clock of them eating the people. Yeah. Or this is the big like gathering of every goblin community in the area. Oh, shit. And the rest are all supposed to come. <laughs> so you better get in and then stay ahead of them. Yeah. Get out before they arrive, too. Yeah. The only danger with this one, though, is that players may just have the brilliant idea to turn around and fight whatever is pursuing them. So yeah. you have to, like, this is the Mad Max example where the force that is chasing must be very clearly unbeatable. Absolutely. And some parties are harder to get that through to than others. <laughs> I will turn around and hit it with my sword. <laughs> You're level two. <laughs> know your place. <laughs> The next step, create a backup plan. So all of this is great until they miss their deadline. You have to have something happen in the game if they miss their deadline. And the real challenge here is allowing them to still move forward. This is the craziest bit because you can sometimes get, you know, in the example of the map. So we're trying to make it to the dude that knows where the cave is. He can draw you a map, but he's almost about to head out of town. Well, if the players miss that deadline, your game is at a standstill. Now, how do we get that? They have no way of figuring out where the cave is. So having these backup plans in place, how do they still move forward? Well, they could break into the guy's house and rummage through his stuff, and he still has a map there. Or the ranger could potentially help find their way through things. So there's still other ways that you can still hint that the players can accomplish their goal. Now, what I'd be careful with there is adding things that are going to lengthen your game even more because of it. If I were to approach that same problem of the map maker's gone, you don't have a great map now, the downside of that is it's going to take you longer to actually show up at the cave. And because we have our cave ticking clock, that's an actual downside. Yeah. You're going to get there within 15 minutes of them cooking some people rather than, you know, an hour. 
yeah, they're not going to have that leisure time to really plan things through. Yeah, and without going into too dark a place, like if the players really fudge this thing up, have they already started the cook-off? Are they two people deep? <laughs> Maybe the uh, survivors are running around and the goblins are just trying to catch them. Things are just getting more chaotic. Maybe Chuck has actually convinced a couple of the townspeople that living with the goblins is pretty sweet by the time they get there. Yeah, a whole bunch of captives with Stockholm Syndrome. That's not a good time. No, not at all. Well, finally, the last step is to deliver that message. And this part, this part is what keeps you from absolutely losing it as the DM because you need to get it across to the players in a very clear way where they know the stakes, they know the timeline, they are very aware of that ticking clock and what it means. So one of my favorite ways of doing this, and I know that a lot of DMs might say that this is kind of a hacky way of doing it, just use an NPC for exposition. There was one old and kind of gamey looking blacksmith left in town who the goblins just passed by and said, nah, that dude looks chewy. We're not going to take him. <laughs> and that blacksmith is the one that says, yep, they said that they were going to take him and eat him by midnight tonight. That's what happened. Using an NPC for exposition, it's easy. That's the thing. It's easy to do. You don't have to stress over it. And you know what? The players probably are not going to care. They're not sitting there going like, oh, that DM used an NPC for exposition. How primitive. <laughs> this is true. There still is other ways to do it. Like you could give them a little moment of my character's a badass by doing a quick described scene of how the character that speaks Goblin actually had a chance to talk to some of them outside of town as you're coming in and knows this because they were able to create a camaraderie with that Goblin in the moment, see if they knew anything special. This is kind of that level up DM kind of approach where, yeah, the ranger that could speak Goblin saw the Goblin outside, said, hey man, what's up? A uh, big barbecue tonight. Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. That's <laughs> sweet. Hey, where the hell is everyone? See you later. <laughs> but the thing you don't want to do is leave it in the character's hands to learn about it. Because yes. I've done that far too many times. If you've got information you need the players to know, <laughs> don't leave it up to them to learn. Just sitting there <laughs> holding the information going, God, I wish someone would ask me this very specific question. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. If you hit those three points... You're going to have a good ticking clock that is going to add a lot to your adventure. And honestly, the temptation to add a clickbait title of the one thing you must do for every D&D &D adventure. <laughs> like, Jordan and I hate clickbait titles, as I'm sure you do too. However, this is the only one that this has ever applied to. Yes, every adventure needs a ticking clock. Every story beat needs some kind of ticking clock. It doesn't have to be end of the world kind of stakes, but everything, this should get done by this time to keep the story moving. And if you think to any of your favorite movies or adventure stories, they've got ticking clocks. And if they don't, I give you permission to mail me a rotten egg. I wouldn't open that door. <laughs> I just did. It's, you can't close it now. 
Yeah, <laughs> certainly can edit it. But I do agree. Next time you pull up your favorite film, watch for those ticking clocks. They're very carefully placed all throughout the story to keep things moving forward at an interesting pace. So those steps again, add the ticking clock to your goal, create a solid backup plan if they don't make that deadline, and plan how you can deliver the message to your players. And now we're going to go to something new. Oh, that's dangerous. I fear change. (laughs) I fear new. Don't we all? We've actually got someone that Hook and Chance is doing a little partnership with. And they actually reached out to us and said, hey, I think there's some serious synchronicity going on here between what we're offering and what you're doing. And honestly, Jordan and I have heard these pitches before. And I mean, we're not going to start hawking underwear anytime soon. But for the right folks and for the right product that we actually believe in, hell yeah. Not to say that we don't believe in underwear. Wear your underwear. (laughs) You need to wear underwear. I can't deal when there's just one layer. (laughs) If you're a commando. So for the first time, we're going to go to the Griffin Street Market. Must have provisions and supplies can be found for the right price at the Griffin Street Market. So we have an awesome thing to mention to you today, and that's Describe. So what is Describe? Well, very simply, it's box text, but it's a lot of really well-written box text. (laughs) It's a lot of a lot, like 1,400 and growing. Pretty much every day. They've got writers working on this round the clock. Well, I don't know if that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope they give them a a break. break. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, those writers are top-notch, world-class fantasy writing alums. And they're working on places, monsters, spells... It's just going to keep getting better. So how does it work? Well, this is how it works. Travis, describe me a village. Uh, well, it, it's uh, like it, it's a nice tiny village in a mountain town. And there's like uh, hills on the far side. Good effort, but that sucked. <laughs> Try this. You smell the place before you see it. The unmistakable odor of civilization. Wood smoke, cow dung, and the stink of pigs. You round the bend and see thatched roofs on low buildings scattered around muddy fields. From somewhere on the other side of the village, you hear dogs barking. Wow. All right. Yes, that was uh, transporting. You're feeling it? You're there? I'm there. What they're doing is saving us all of that creative energy that we put into the box text that we're trying desperately to scrawl out before a session and letting us put it into the other stuff. And what I've been enjoying is that I can just pull it up on the fly. So if you are interested in checking them out, you can visit describe.com forward slash hook. And that's D-S-C-R-Y-B.com forward slash hook. And you can use the code hook at checkout to save 10%. Ooh. And now we're going to head to Timora's Tavern to round off our episode. Welcome to Timora's Tavern, where absurd games of fortune and skill are played for the amusement of all.
Okay, so to illustrate how important ticking clocks are to your overall adventure, all you have to do is add a ticking clock to an already existing plot hook, and it becomes that much more engaging. The pitch to this story idea becomes something else. It becomes something dire and needed as soon as you add a ticking clock. So in order to illustrate that, what we're going to do is we're going to pick adventure hooks from the D100 subreddit of adventure hooks and try to see if we can stump the other one with creating a ticking clock for it. We're going to out ticking clock each other. <laughs> I'll tick your clock. <laughs> All right. So I'm older. I'll go first. Okay. So number six on this list is something in the lake is causing things to grow rapidly. Giant toads, giant wolves, and other giant creatures are coming out of the woods. Recently, a giant bear has been spotted. Add a ticking clock to that one. Hmm. Giant toads sound fun, but giant bears is what I'm working with. So what if, as these animals came out of the lake, they'd been exploding, oh, which God. is bad. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> and as the bear comes out of the lake, the bear picks somebody up in his mouth and runs off into the woods. Now you got a ticking clock of rescue that person before the bear explodes and the person <laughs> definitely dies. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you guess. It is That's... a ticking clock. All right. Out clock me. Well, I I thought you were going to focus on the thing in the lake that's making the things bigger, <laughs> but instead it's an exploding bear. You took a bit of a left turn, but I like it. All right. Set me up. All right. Number nine. Local merchants are fleeing the area in alarming numbers, refusing to say why. Interesting. Local merchants fleeing the area in alarming numbers, refusing to say why. So I feel like the ticking clock is almost inherent in that, in that local merchants are all fleeing. Once all the merchants are gone, there is nobody to get food from. There's nobody to get provisions from. Even the most hardened cases that want to stick around there's only a finite number of merchants before this place gets a real reputation. So I could easily see a mayor saying like, you need to handle this not next week, not tomorrow, now. Like, figure out what this thing is that's chasing away the merchants. There you go. Or we won't have any merchants. Or, yeah, like the merchants are all leaving. <laughs> what happens when all the merchants are gone? No more places to buy stuff from. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Okay. I mean, I mean, I get it is a ticking Who's clock. going to bring in supplies to a town when merchants know to never go to that town? As soon as the word gets out, the town is sunk. I see. So yeah, the people really do care. Everyone cares. It's a big deal. And livelihoods. If I wanted to go and double down on that premise to know that there is a definite answer to that, I could say that this same thing has been happening in other towns. And those towns are now completely derelict. And people have had to move away because all the merchants are gone. And it only took about a week. Yeah. And that's when the monsters roll in and take <laughs> care of the survivors, the stragglers. There you go. All right. Uh, let's see. Which one will trip you up? All right. Number 34. 
a dying frost giant falls from the sky and lands outside the city gates, far from where frost giants live. Hmm. He explodes? Can uh, I use that one again? <laughs> I I think we've had a lot of explosions, <laughs> but if you must. No, 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 no. Hold on. Well, what if that frost giant was dead now? No big deal. There's more to it. Wait. All right. But the frost giant had a letter that they were carrying to declare peace with the fire giants on the other side of the valley. Nice. And that, uh, you know, it's got to be delivered on this date or the war is going to start. The war starts on X date. Yeah. Get it there beforehand. Oh, that's good. All right. Give me one. Starting to get into this. I'm starting <laughs> to be able to flex a little creative muscle. Good, because you don't have a lot of other muscles. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, 26. In the middle of the woods, the party finds a wooden pole carved with images of death and bones. It is topped with a dried humanoid skull. What does it mean? What purpose does it serve? Ooh, interesting. I like that one. Probably the simplest path forward is, again, like I said, there's no shame in just throwing an NPC in there for exposition. But this is a skull. <laughs> that kind of exposition. Yeah, very. You just need an NPC to just <laughs> yell out what they see, <laughs> literally. No, I'm thinking that maybe a ranger, like an elven ranger, saw this a thousand years ago, and that's what led to that dead ass forest up the road, that cursed place. Unless the skull was returned to its original resting place by X time, that it starts to corrupt and spread from that point out until it's decimated that entire forest and everything in it. All right. That could even be something that the uh, the bard knows in the party. Well, or something like that. Or the druid uh, reading yeah. the inscription along the carved pole. It's literally saying... In such and such a time, this is what happens. One week's time. Yeah, return this skull to its hole, or the forest will burn a lot. And then they have to take the skull around town and say, hey, do you know this guy? <laughs> where does he belong? Fun. Ask everybody <laughs> in town where this where the skull goes. <laughs> okay, maybe that part isn't a great idea. It's not core to the idea. <laughs> okay, I think that we could do this all day for sure. But we need to kind of decide who wins. Huh. So how about we do a random one? And the last one of us to come up with a ticking clock wins. If the other person can't come up with one, they lose. All right. I'm into your disgusting <laughs> games. Let's do this. All right. Roll a D100, I guess. All right. Randomly selected, we have 23. Predator animals, wolves, bears, etc. have been turning up dead in the forest around a village. More recently, a few local hunters have not returned. And I think it's only fair that we use a real ticking clock to clock each other's responses. So <laughs> the one-minute timer starts now. You go first. <laughs> Dang it. Well, you just do a hell portal prophecy for this one. Party learns about a prophecy that the hell portal is going to keep sucking things in until it sucks in all life on this plane. 
by this date. Got to stop it. Okay, that wasn't bad. I'm going to say that the predator animals are dying inside town. And a day after they die, they transform back into the people that they were from the town. Okay. So there's a finite number of people. Every single time one of these (laughs) animals die, it's somebody. I guess that's fair. Yeah, the ticking clock is just that it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening until everyone in town is dead. And every single time it happens, you know you've lost and failed one more person. Fair enough. Come on, adventurers, move it. Yeah. Okay, your turn. Go, go, go. Timer starts now. Should I add some hype music for while you're thinking quietly? (laughs) Thank you. That's truly helping. Helping my thoughts come together clearly. Stop. Oh, okay. Well, if the hunters are going missing, maybe you're in a world where the season change is going to be really drastic. And as soon as winter hits in a blanket, it's going to be really hard to get more food for the village. So before that winter hits, you got to get those hunters back. Mm. They're providing the town with food. Yep. Yeah. Whole bunch of townspeople that are just at their wits end, not sure what to do when winter comes. We'll die. We'll starve to death. Ooh. Straight out of the gate. Thanks for buying me time to come up with this one. The location of where the things have been dying is getting closer to the town. What do you mean exactly? Well, I mean that all of the dead animals, you know, it was four kilometers away and then three kilometers away. And, you know, in the next day or two, something happens every single day. So whatever is doing this is getting closer and closer and closer to town. It's like a... Almost a literal line on the earth. Yeah. You could, you know, make it clear with some cracks in the ground or something like that. Ooh, yeah, there you go. There's like uh, footprints that are unidentifiable. Oh, the murderer. Yeah. It's just circling. Yeah. Okay, one, two, three, go. All right, all right, all right. Uh, If you don't figure out what's happening... Starting off strong. The goblins from before are going to bring in bombs and blow you up. And there's a note you find <laughs> that says that. <laughs> this is this is bad. <laughs> it sounds like we've tapped ourselves out. Uh, technically a win. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, Can't believe you let me get away with that. Is, no, I'm not. I just, I'm trying to nail the... I'm trying to stick the landing. (laughs) What do you got then? Uh, Bring it. Seal my fate. (laughs) Pile the dirt on my coffin, (laughs) you monster. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Uh, Oh, I'm sure. If I sat down for the the timer, it's freaking me out a little bit. If we were actually doing game prep, you're saying, you could probably come up with more ticking clocks? Yeah, I just, I have a literal ticking clock. Yeah. Anyways. I think the point stands that there's a (laughs) lot of ticking clocks out there. Okay. Well, that list, of course, was uh, from the D&D subreddit, D100. Uh, It's overseen by D&D Speak. They're the ones that do all of that. So thank you for all of the prompts. But 
I think we've kind of established that the one thing that's missing from a lot of those prompts is a ticking clock. You got to do a lot of the work yourself to add those ticking clocks in. And it really makes them feel like an adventure that's going to push the party, not just a, a thing that's happening. Absolutely. Well, Jordan and I hope that helped. Yeah, we hope you have an idea of how to use some ticking clocks in your games and how to keep the pressure on when you want it on. But I mean, be aware that we're not saying there always needs to be a high stakes ticking clock because the beauty of D&D is taking the rest time between the ticking clock adventures and that's when people can do whatever they want to do in the tavern, do their carousing. But when you need it, you've got some tools to move the story along in a way that allows the players to drive it just by a statement of there is a ticking clock. And to make them care. So another great new, well, not new, a first <laughs> in a while. We have a new review breaking what seemed to be an incredible dry spell. I don't know. Were we shit in the bed for the last couple of months? What happened? I'll just pretend that I couldn't find the reviews. Maybe I, they've been coming the whole time. No, I'm going to blame it on you. You haven't been charismatic enough. Be more charismatic. You got it! <laughs> Is loud uh, equal to charismatic? No, that's game show hosts are not charismatic. <laughs> Thank that's you very fair. much. All right, I'll try and get more. Easy. The review. My favorite D&D &D podcast. Five stars. This podcast has a great level of creative energy. I don't think we've earned that after this episode. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> we did okay. We did okay. The hosts spin off all kinds of awesomely weird evolutions from basic D&D &D concepts while simultaneously producing focused, practical content that can be used to make your games better. I installed Icktoons just to leave them a five-star review. This show is that good. I hope Mr. Apple isn't listening. <laughs> and that review was by Michael Fish through Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Thank Michael you, Michael Fish. Fish. Thank you for joining us on our Discord, too. We know you're on there. We got to actually talk to you. And thanks for braving the treacherous and ugly waters of iTunes to go through with an Apple podcast <laughs> review. I mean, the level of dedication that takes is very impressive. I'm not sure I would do the same. So thank you very much. Absolutely. I had to do the same to try and learn how it was all done myself. And I gave up like six times in the process. However, there are lots of different ways to show the show some love if you feel the need. Uh, you can also go to hookandchance.com forward slash reviews, and there's a couple of links there to get you to places where you can write some reviews, or you can simply email them to us, uh, whatever you want. Or you can just show us support if you're not ready to love again. <laughs> <laughs> I've been burned too many times in the past. Thank you to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. You can join that wonderful community of players and DMs by hopping on our Discord. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and turn off all the clocks games. in the house. I can't take the pressure. No more time. It's not like anybody knows us as Timely Brothers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>